I'm excited about this morning. This was kind of a spontaneous thing. I did preach last service, um, but I have the honor of uh, interviewing an awesome man of God uh, and his team that are here in town from Bethel Church in Reading. How many remember when we had some of the um, Kevin Dedman interns here and they came Wednesday night? You guys remember that? Raise your hand if you were here, if you took part of that. Did you go out to the strip and minister with them, saw some healings and stuff? Well, um, Jason Chin, I connected with them on Facebook, and it was just a total God connect, and, uh, um, and I, I have the honor of interviewing uh, this morning. We're going to just kind of do a free flow revival chat thing, just talk about uh, his story. And recently, I'll let him tell you more in just a minute, but he, he is now um, having interns at Bethel. Um, so uh, that's exciting, man. You're going to be able to reproduce what God's doing in you. And, um, and so would you just honor him as he comes up? Jason, would you come up here, man? Let's get that music again. Come on, somebody. Come on, Luis. Where are you at? Oh, that's your song right there, Jason. I think Chris should have his own talk show someday. Seriously. I mean, you really had the crowd. Sometimes they don't listen when you say lift your hands, but they listen to you just now. It was great. So, uh, Jason, dude, thanks for being here, man. Do you feel like you're on a talk show now because of that music and stuff? Turn his mic on. Come on, somebody. There we go. These are cool chairs. Thanks, man. We've got these at Bethel, too. These are cool. Right Bill on. Johnson likes to preach in chairs like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we just want to, like, hear your heart, your vision, what you're all about. You're on a, a little mission trip going to Arizona, right? And uh, I want to hear a little bit about that, too, this guy that you're connecting with. And, and then at the end, um, if your team wants to, and then our shows on prayer team, we want to minister to people. If that's cool with you, pray, healing, and just... Wholeness. I'd love to hear some stories. Tell us a little bit of your story, though. Um, like, you got saved, and then you got connected to Bethel, and then you joined the school. Tell us a little bit of that. What okay, happened. yeah, totally. Um, before I do that, I just want to introduce, can I brag on my team real quick? So, you guys, can you stand up? <clears throat> okay, and so, yeah, yeah, give it up for them. Whoa. The young man in the striped shirt, or the checkered shirt, that's Jason Tax, and he's one of my best friends. I don't know if you guys have seen, have you guys ever seen, there's a YouTube video called God Lands at Disneyland? Yeah. If you have, raise your hand. Yeah. Okay, so that was me and Jay and um, Hannah Ford. And so Jason's been a real inspiration in my life to just go after things of God. Like I had a passion in my heart that I wanted to see the kingdom come in my life. Like after I got saved, I heard stories of people doing this stuff and I was like, God, could that happen in my life? You know? And I had to start overcoming fear because it's intimidation and fear that tries to keep you from who you were created to be, right? Like it's not just an instant key that here you got you, – we do have everything, but it takes actions on our part to overcome things to step into our full destiny. And so Jason Tax was a really big um, encouragement in my life to, to just go for things. And then Vanessa in the middle. Give it up for Vanessa. She, she loves Las Vegas. Like, she wants to move here. She loves this city. Uh, maybe. We'll see. But she was so excited. We were on the road for 16 hours yesterday. Our minivan broke down. It was so bad. And so we had to rent a car. And, and, but pulling into the city, Vanessa just came alive. And it was really awesome. 
Yeah, and she's going to be my intern, one of my interns next year. So I'm really excited to pour into Vanessa. And Mitch, the young man on the end, I met him. Uh, I got to speak at a supernatural evangelism conference a couple years ago, maybe two or three years ago. And there was a youth group from Sacramento that I really connected with. And I, this young man just really stood out. And so I kind of adopted him. You know what I mean? So I started, like, bringing him on trips. And every, any chance I could get him to go on trips with me, he was still in high school. And at Bethel, you have to be a second-year student to go on ministry trips. But Chris Overstreet's a friend of mine. I was like, hey, Chris, please. I have this young man. Can we please break the rules just this one time and have him come on a ministry trip? And he's just, he went to first year this last year, and he's going to second year this year, but he's just on fire. So, yeah, we love you guys. We're going to minister afterwards with him. Cool. Tell us a little bit about uh, how long you've been, when did you surrender your life to the Lord? And then tell us a little bit about that journey. Yeah, so um, I got saved about six and a half years ago, maybe seven years ago, and for you moms out there that have kids that are going the opposite way and you have words over their life, I want you to grab onto this right now. And I talked to this lady over here in the blue scarf, precious lady over there. And there's something about praying moms and praying dads that, that kids cannot escape the love of God when it's praying from a prayer of faith and belief from, from, from a parent. You know what I'm saying? Because parents can align their hearts towards God's heart, towards your kids. So I want to share this with you, that my mom prayed for me night and day. 15 years, I ran from the Lord. Like I told, I was so bad that I told, I told people I didn't, they couldn't talk about God around me. I was, actually, it's cool to be in this town as a Christian. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm so excited to be saved and in Las Vegas. It's amazing. We got to pray for some people just before service. It was a gal, uh, I can't remember her name. Um, Jeannie was her name. She was in a walker, and we ran her down, which we don't like to run people down, but we were running late to the service here. So we ran out to her, and she had a walker, and she was missing part of her knee. And so we just got to pray for her, and she felt all the pain leave her body. And she started crying because she could feel God's presence. And it was just cool to be back here being changed, you know what I mean? Uh, Being a new creation, being like a child of God, being loved and accepted, not searching for love and acceptance, but receiving the love and acceptance from a heavenly father. And it's just, it's just amazing. But my mom had this prophetic word over my life that of destiny over my life. And she would just pray, pray, pray. God, you said, you said, you said this about Jason. And she saw a picture of this it was like a pit bull, and he was running as hard as he could away from this tree, but he was on a chain. And the Lord told my mom, he said, um, he said Jason's going to reach the end of his chain, and when he does, it's going to be a suddenly, and he's going to turn, and he's going to be radical. And so I just released that hope for every one of you that are praying for kids that aren't following the Lord right now, that they are coming home, okay? And they're going to be radical, <laughs> radical, 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 radical. For Jesus, radical lovers, radical, seeing themselves the way they are created to be, seeing others the way they were created, and radically making a change in this generation. So it's about six and a half years ago, I was in a church, um, a little country church, Assemblies of God Church, and I went there because I wanted to prove to my parents that Christianity wasn't for me. And so I literally went just to kind of you know, like, hey, I tried it. See, leave me alone now. And so I went, 
And I actually brought my drinking buddies with me. One big Hispanic guy named Puga. He was big, shaved head. He looked bad, like a bouncer, right? So we walk in uh, to this little church, and we're sitting in the back corner. And everything's cool, but at the end of the service, the pastor had an altar call. And my heart just started. It literally felt... Like, I was really confident, and, like, nothing was hitting me. But as soon as they, he gave that altar call, it was like all of the world stopped, and all this intense pressure was all of a sudden focused on me. And it was so suddenly that I literally grabbed the bottom of the pew, and I started talking to myself. And I was like, self, you are not going up there. No matter what the cost, you are not going up to that altar. You stay right here. You breathe heavy if you have to. You're not going up there. And I looked over to my friend Puga, and he was already halfway up to the altar crying, man. He's running up front. And it went for a few more minutes, and then the pastor said, there's some more people here today that that you need to get your life to Jesus. And he says, you even feel a pressure on your chest. And I looked down, and my heart's going, I could see my shirt beating. I mean, I physically could see it. And I knew I had a decision to make, man. And... My mom had such a radical Christian life. Like, I don't know if you guys ever heard of the book, Pigs in a Parlor. All right, my mom was one of those people that read that book in the 80s, man. And she went for it, Casting Out Demons. It's a book about deliverance. And so my mom and this other lady worked at the juvenile department. I started bringing the demonized home to our house when I was about 10 years old. And so it kind of freaked me out. So in that moment... I was scared to be like my mom. Like, I'm sitting there, and God's putting pressure on my chest, but I'm like, oh, my gosh, if I get saved, I know I'm going to be like my mom. I'm going to be so crazy that I know I'm going to be over the edge. And I'm sitting there, I was like, gosh, I don't know if I want to be like that. And then, but the love of the Father was overwhelming, and I felt this person that loved me way more than anybody's ever loved me. And I knew I didn't deserve that love. I knew that I had told him flat out, I don't want you. I don't want to be a Christian. But yet, it's awesome that God does not listen to our rejection. It's awesome that God does not listen to people when they say no to him. He just sends more goodness and kindness their way. And I knew that if I didn't make a decision now, that he was not going to quit pursuing me. <laughs> and so in my heart, I said yes. And I stepped outside of the pew into the aisleway, and the second I did, I became born again. I didn't even have to say a prayer. As soon as I said yes and took that step, he flooded me, and I, I started weeping and crying. I got delivered of pornography, and I was on painkillers, and I was on antidepressants, and all this stuff. And I go running up front, and a Hispanic brother grabbed me and uh, led me in the prayer, which I already got saved, but he just went, we went through the motions, you know, and what we're supposed to do, and I became born again. It was awesome, and it's changed my life, you know, six and a half years, and I'm clean, you know, because of the blood of Jesus, not because I deserved it, and I get what he deserves now, you know what I'm saying, and it's just been an adventure, and yeah, it's just been, it's overwhelming. I was sitting back there just now thinking if it was just that moment, it'd been so worth it, you know, but now I'm starting to realize that there's a really big kingdom out there now too you know what i mean like there's way more to this than just that and if it was just that it would have been worth it but profound testimony love it love your heart man 
So tell me a little bit. You, I, I don't know um, if you want to get all into. You, you started going to Bethel. And you went to the school ministry, and that was how many years ago was that? Like, was that right after? It's yeah, right after. Right after. Okay, so six months after you get saved, you get plugged right in, um, and then you start doing the stuff. Well, you share maybe a little bit. I'd like to hear maybe a few stories of when you just started seeing the love of God manifest through healing or something like that. Um, and then I'd like you to, if you could share your heart, like what is your heart for the church? What is your heart for the body, uh, the body of Christ? Like, and and what do you feel like you're called to do? Yeah, that's good. Okay. Yeah. I I like talking about that. Um, yeah, for me, so I just got saved and I'll tell you a little bit more about my mom. So, Okay, I was in business, so I, I was running, we don't have them over here, but it's called Les Schwab Tire Centers, it's like an America's Tire, discount tire, I don't know if you've heard of them, but it was a, one of the biggest independent tire dealerships, so when I got saved at that po- point, I was in business, I had a crew of about 15 people, and I didn't know any better, but I just started telling all my friends about Jesus, you know, because the week before we were at the bar, and so I was like, hey guys, I found what we've been looking for, like I found, I found what we were searching for, and so people started getting saved, and going to church, and I didn't know it was evangelism. I just was telling people about this Jesus I met, you know, and it's really that simple. I'm realizing that that's all evangelism is, is telling people about this man that's changed my life, and that's it, you know, and there's hope now. And so I called my mom up, and I wanted to, um, the Lord told me he wanted me to go to Bible school. And so I didn't even know about Bethel Church. I only knew that since I was about 18 years old, I've always wanted to move to Redding, California. I don't even know why. I just wanted to move to Redding. And when I was in business, we had the same business in, it's called Les Schwab Tire Centers. They had one in Redding. So on my days off, I would literally drive to Redding, walk around that tire shop, and I would just be like claiming it. I didn't even know what it was. I was like, someday I'm going to run you. Like, I'm going to run you, let tire center in Redding, you know? And so after the Lord told me um, that he wanted me to go to Bible school, I wanted to move to Reading to go to Simpson College. I didn't even know about Bethel. But my mom, um, I called her up, and I was like, hey, mom, I'm planning on moving. And I'm, I'm a single father, too, so I'm raising my kids. And it was just I went through a divorce years ago trying to find my identity and my job. You know, like we're, we're searching for love out there. People are looking for love. And so I was searching for my identity in my workplace, but it cost me my family, even though I was successful in business. So anyway, at this point, my kids were living with me, and, and they still are, but some of them are raised. But anyway, so I call my mom and um, tell her I'm moving, and she goes, yeah, I know I had a dream. You're moving to Reading. Like, that's, that's my mom for you, man. Yeah, like there was one time me and my friends actually planned a trip out here before I was Christian, and my mom, like, called me. She's like, Jason, I know what you're up to. <laughs> like, I, like, all my friends were afraid of my mom. <laughs> they were. They knew that she knew what was going on all the time. I'd be at work, and my employees would be like, Jason, it's your mom. She knows what we're going to do this weekend. <laughs> they had the fear of my mom in them, man. So my mom said, Jason, there's a church in Bethel that, um, I, or a church in Reading called Bethel. I think you should go to it. And check it out. And so I walked in and I actually felt what I felt this morning. Again, I felt the tangible presence of God and it was electric. And I was thinking about that this morning. I was like, oh my gosh, like to be able to host the presence of God is the biggest privilege, you know? And, and so I felt that when I walked um, in there and then this guy, Chris Overstreet got up and started 
just preaching the love of God, and then people that look just like you and me, like every age group, every personality type, every gender, every, or well, there's two genders, but every ethnic background <laughs> got up and um, just started sharing testimonies of miracles, and that was so foreign to me. Like, I, I knew there's some people on TV that talked about that, you know, that wore white suits. Like, I knew Benny Hinn, like, was supposed to be the miracle man, you know, but... I didn't know regular people could pray for the sick and actually not just pray for like a quick recovery because that's what I was raised in, which that's okay. Like I had a church that loved me and loved Jesus, but we didn't know that we could actually bring healing, you know, physically, instantly to people's life. And so I just remember crying in my seat again, just thinking, gosh, I want to do that. You know, it sounds awesome to be able to like pray for people and see them get healed. And so I started the School of Ministry, and in the School of Ministry, they encourage you to sign up for things that either, if, like say children's ministry, like we're talking about the children this morning, if your heart's for children, then you can sign up for like a children's uh, outreach, or they say sign up for something that scares you the most. Because <laughs> it's good to face your fears. Because all fear is, is faith rooted in an improper identity. That's all it is, man. And so they really teach us to go after fear in our life because it means there's a root somewhere that's, that's, that's rooted improperly in our identity. So I signed up for treasure hunts because it seemed really kind of freaky, scary, you know what I mean? Like here we're going to talk to strangers and then have to believe for miracles when we've actually never done this before. So I signed up for treasure hunts and... I literally skipped the, four, the first four weeks of school. Yeah, we had, we had outreach on Thursdays. And so we guys have done treasure hunts before. You know how you get in your little teams and stuff like that? And then you're supposed to get in the same car and go to this, the place. Well, I would always make an excuse of why I couldn't ride in the same car with them. Because I have kids, you know. Like, you guys are just young kids. I'm a family man. What happens if my kids call me? I've got to be able to leave right away. I'd hate to ruin your treasure hunt. So I'll just meet you there. But the problem is I kept finding myself in the Walmart parking lot praying in tongues for the whole... I was interceding for my team because I was too afraid to get out of my wine press of fear. You know what I'm saying? Four weeks in a row, I'm in my car in my little Saturn just praying in tongues. And God's like, Jason, what are you doing? I was like, I'm really scared of this stuff. I don't think I'm called to this. I think Chris Overstreet's supposed to do this, and I'm not. But he started talking to me like about Gideon. You know what I'm saying? A lot of great men and women of God in the Bible, they didn't see themselves properly at first. You think of Gideon, you think of Moses. They're like, who am I, God? Who am I? You send me. And the qualifying fact was one thing. He says, that's okay, boy. I'm going to be with you. And that's the qualifier right there. He's with us. He's with us no matter where we go, no matter what our emotions tell us. We have to base what he says he's with us. And then we get to put ourselves to bring God into people's situations in life. We don't know what's going to happen, but we know we're going to give God a chance to get involved in that impossible situation. And we've seen the most ridiculous things. When I was in in, uh, Denver, Colorado, we saw a kneecap grow back that wasn't there. That's your hometown? You know, it's called Cripple Creek Casino. There's an Indian casino called Crippled Creek, like Cripple. 
So we're like, that's a word of knowledge. <laughs> like, Triple Creek, <laughs> we're going there. Sounds like they need some kingdom right there. So we went, and this was like a month ago, and there was two um, precious people on older in those wheelchairs, a husband and wife, and they're, I mean, some of these electric wheelchairs, man, they're like Ferraris, you know what I mean? Like, they got upgrades, like, they got some cool stuff on these wheelchairs, man. So they're flying, they're going, and so we see them, and there's a team of four of us, three people and myself, three people have never prayed for anybody, ever. They had a one-hour training session, and now they're ready, right? <laughs> so we stopped, and we're like, whoa, 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 stop, 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 stop. Well, the husband gets by us about 10 feet. The wife, like, stops right there. And we're like, hey, we can't help but notice that you guys got some cool wheelchairs. But, like, why do you need them, you know? And the lady had had five surgeries, kneecap surgically removed. It's like mush. It's just like there's nothing there, like no kneecap, just mush. Well, the husband... He was really excited to go play the slot machines. He didn't, wasn't really interested in what we were doing. And so I was trying to just buy a little bit of time for the team to pray. So I'm just kind of making small talk with the husband. I'm like, hey, so what's your favorite slot machine? <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Hey, what do you like to do in this place? And, and so all of a sudden, the three people, actually four of them, because she started screaming too, they start screaming, like, loud, like getting everybody's attention loud. Like, ah! So we get, like, what's going on? So we go over there, and what happened was God, this is amazing. There was nothing there, mush. This kneecap appears about up here. I don't know if God took some of the bone, like the femur bone, but this kneecap, it grows, and then it drops down into place. Yeah, incredible, 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 incredible. And... I'm starting to learn, man, that there really is nothing impossible. Like, my brain needs to catch up with what my heart's saying, right? Because it's like this human mind tries to be logical and reason. And we got to get out of this sometimes. Not saying we throw our mind away, but we sometimes have to get out of logic and into our heart, you know? I've had a friend that we're going to be with um, this week. Actually, in a couple days, we're driving down to this uh, Indian reservation in Window Rock, Arizona. So that's our next stop. And a friend of mine uh, two years ago has seen limbs grow back, like people that didn't have arms, people that didn't have legs, grow back in a meeting, a glory cloud, physically tangible cloud, just like in Exodus, man, comes down into this crusade, about 100,000 people. And there's gold Where dust. Where was this? Oh, Where sorry. Was this at? No, it's okay. It was in South Africa. Okay. Yeah. I'm not supposed to mention the name That's of right. the actual country because yeah. they had a lot of backlash afterwards. So and he stuff. saw like limbs. Was he praying? Was it a crusade or something? It was a crusade. And, they, and limbs literally were just growing out. Yeah. Yeah. 150. Was that limbs. the same time he saw the glory cloud? Yeah. Same crusade. It was three or four days. And the first thing that happened was. It was a pastor's meeting, about 197 pastors that were the pastors. And it was worship time, just like we had a little bit ago. And there was a pastor that was up front on the left side of the stage, and he had a, a leather cap. Like, his, his hand had been cut off because of the blood diamond things, like short sleeve, long sleeve. Like, he was literally a, a young boy and had his, um, his hand chopped off. And, but now he's a pastor. He found Jesus. He's a pastor, but he's got this leather cap on his wrist. And my friend, his name's Jim Rogers. Um, the Lord speaks to him, and he says, 
I want you to pray for his hand to grow. And Jim's on stage, and the guy has no idea what's going on. He's worshiping Jesus, and he just says, okay, and he just points to his hand and says, hand grow now in Jesus' name. And Jim sees this cap, leather cap pops off of his, yeah, pops off of his um, wrist, and then he says it looks like a flower, like this mass of flesh shoots out, and then it goes like this, and a hand's there, just like a flower. So then the pastor is like this, and he's freaking out, and he looks up at Jim, and he sees Jim was praying for him, and he jumps up on the stage and gives him a hug. So that was the first, um, that was before the first night of the crusade. So then um, the glory cloud, so this is that night, the glory cloud, like this tangible cloud, it was physically, it was so thick you couldn't see through it, like that thick, yeah, and it had gold dust and feathers that were swirling around the cloud, that's wild, huh? This is two years ago, man. This isn't like 100 years ago. This is like two years ago. Because 100 years ago, Azusa Street was going down. You know what I mean? Yeah, and the fire was coming down. The glory was coming. Arms were growing back. And William Seymour and Charles Parham both said, 100 years from now, guys, it's coming back. And they said, it's Come not on. just going to be in one Come place. On. They said, it's going to be all over the world through every walk in every country, every city, it's going to happen. Las Vegas and Henderson included. Yeah, Las Vegas, Henderson, yes. So wherever the cloud would come down and rest upon, it would rest and the people would disappear. You couldn't see them. When it would lift, whatever needed healing in that section was healed and people would jump up and they'd be like, my deaf ears opened up, my blind eyes. They're throwing casts and, and crutches down. And then... Jim said over to the right section, there was a group of lepers, and a leper colony had come because a couple lepers had gotten healed previously, and so now there's 45 um, lepers, and they're over in this group over on this section, and they have, a, they have them uh, roped off, like quarantined, about a 10-foot span because it's wet leprosy, like the biblical leprosy where, like, the fingers are falling off, and their skin and their hair, um, noses are gone, like it's just eaten away, and they don't have medical over there you know what i'm saying and i'm so i'm thankful for this country man i am so thankful for america and the value that the united states puts on people's lives you know what i'm saying i'm thankful for that lady had a walker that we got to pray for today these other countries they don't get stuff like that they have to use a stick you know i'm thankful for the value that we put on human life over here and so anyway the glory cloud came down and again many of them had missing ears noses they just they look bad, like bad, you know what I'm saying? Like zombie bad. I'm sorry, I like back off zombies, so I got to throw that in my sermon a little bit. <laughs> but they look bad, and, but God saw that, man. You know what I'm saying? He knew they needed them, and so that cloud came down and, and rested on that group, and for about 10 to 15 minutes, they completely disappeared, and Jim said that they had to there was so much commotion going on in that cloud, like so much yelling and noise and commotion. They had to go find out what was going on. Even though they couldn't see what was happening, they could That's hear insane. something. I love it. <laughs> Nuts. So the gym and the pastors walked over to this group because there's 60,000 people in there, and this group of 45 is interrupting, you know what I'm saying, because something's going down. So when they get over to them, the cloud lifted and there was no lepers there anymore. There was normal people, 100% restored, 100%. 
And what happened next was the most emotional thing because the people, the 60,000 people around them, ran and they started tearing down the barricades and they started embracing their brothers and sisters. Come on. Wow. Yeah. And love so that. they were giving them love. And, and the lepers, he says, many of them fell down just weeping. Some of them just started running. But they started being embraced for the first time because they can't touch them. There's no physical touch, you know. And just everybody just worshipped. And then this was so wild. So then this, um, Jim noticed there's a bunch of people over, again, on this other side. And there's, they all have sticks, you know, they're, they're, they're their crutches and stuff. And uh, the Holy Spirit speaks to Jim and says, I want you to have everybody in that section come up up front. And then Jim notices that they don't have arms and legs. He's like, oh, because <laughs> he's never seen an arm or leg grow out ever, you know, even though the glory cloud just showed up. But he said he was still like nervous, actually, because, you know, if you've never seen it before, it's your first time. So he had him come up and he had him line up front and he counted them. There was 150 ish. He says there was about 12 people that were missing arms. The rest of them were missing one or two legs. And I guess they have bombs or they have landmines over there still that causes a lot of problems and people will step on a landmine and it'll blow part of their leg off but surgically they'll end up removing it above the knee because of infection and stuff like that so many of them were had one or two legs that were cut off above the knee and so there was no glory cloud at this time which i kind of liked that fact because if we're just dependent on the glory cloud to show up or we might be limited on when we pray. You know what I'm saying? Because we know he's with us no matter what. Whether we see the cloud or don't see the cloud, the Bible says he never leaves us or forsakes us. We know we're the, we're the holy of holies now, right? Presence of God came to live inside man. That's why Jesus came, rent the veil so heaven could come into us now. It's cool to see clouds and feathers. I like that stuff, diamonds. But regardless, if we see that stuff, we know he's with us, right? So, so Jim and the pastors, about 20 of them, just start praying, and they just start commanding that the limbs grow. And Jim said it started like a wave. It started at this end, and it starts going, and he said it takes about 10 seconds for a limb to grow out. Yeah, he he says you think it would take a long time. He says it doesn't take a long time at all. And he says what happens is if it's a leg, it, it shoots out. He says it looks like computer animation. Like it looks like you would look like a computer program, right? Like on Illustrator. And it's a full-sized limb comes out of nowhere. And it's going, shoo. And when it hits the heel, it comes out. And then the toes shoot off at the very end. He says it's, it looks just like it, was, it looks fake, okay? But the other thing that Jim noticed, and this happened on every single one, was there was no hair on them. Like they were hairless. Like bald legs and arms, right? And Jim's kind of like, Okay, this is awesome, but there's like smooth, where's the hair? And then in about 10 minutes, the hair grew. But, you know, why would he do that? Like, he just grew a new leg. Couldn't you put the hair on there at the same time, you know? But God's funny. He does it the way he wants to, you know? Yeah, but Jim said, this is what's cool also. So everyone, same thing, just pandemonium breaks out. But Jim said, his brain is telling him, you just didn't see that. This didn't just happen. Everyone, he saw 150 from the first one to the last one. His mind still couldn't wrap around what his eyeball saw. Our logical mind, man, needs to get out of the way sometimes. And he's like, his mind's telling him, you didn't just see that. That just didn't happen. Did they have strength in their legs? Like, did they start walking? And yeah. So it was probably crazy then. 
Yeah, immediately. Praising immediately. God, the whole place erupted. Immediately, yeah. Isn't that incredible? Come on, 150. That's so cool. Yeah. So what? So you're gonna go uh, to a conference or something where he's at, like a yeah. youth camp? Connect with him. Have you met him? You've met him before? Yeah. Okay, awesome. Uh, I'm gonna come with you. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm you hopping in. Yeah. Uh, tell tell me that's awesome, man. Tell me what is your heart for the bride. And what do you see, maybe, uh, you know, and if you, if you f- are feeling anything prophetically for us in the city, this body, but mainly just for the body of Christ, where do you see the church maybe in five, ten years? Because when we connected on the phone, um, I think I messaged you or something, and it happened to be at 1038, which I guess is one of your life verses. And I, fig- I assumed it was Acts 1038. I don't know if you guys have ever heard the story of John G. Lake. How many know who John G. Lake is? Well, I, I think and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but he was kind of frustrated. He wanted to see the stuff, and he threw his Bible against the wall and it, uh, or against, over the fireplace, and it opened up to Acts 10.38, which I thought of when you were just saying God's with us, you know, um, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, and he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed by the devil because God was with him. So that's Acts 10.38. So I message you, so we felt, you felt like it was a divine connection, right? Um, and so I, I'd like to hear your heart. What do you see? Because I was, I was explaining to Jason that we have love explosion, and we want to see the body of Christ mobilized, not just elders anointing people with oil, but believers laying hands on the sick and watching them recover, um, releasing heaven on earth. How many know that's our heartbeat, right? We want to see the love of the Father expressed um, in our region, in our city, we believe that Vegas is not going to be known as Sin City, but Revival City. We really believe that God has marked this place. And, and you said something that was, that was uh, right in line with our last Love Explosion conference. Um, you know, we made a declaration that we believe that this next move of God will be a move of grace and power. And the body will demonstrate, the body of Christ will demonstrate the Father's love in all those areas. Healing, signs, wonders, all that. So maybe, you know, share your heart a little bit about uh, where, what is your passion for the church and where do you see her going and, and how can we step into that? Does that make sense? Yeah, it's really good. Um, I feel a lot that's on my life. Definitely there's two Bible verses. Um, it's Acts 10.38, like um, Zach just said, and then John 3.16. And I see those numbers, yeah, and I see those numbers almost every day, like 3.16, 10.38, and it might be, you know, the time, it might be, I don't know, Facebook, like three friends requests, one notification, you know what I mean, like 316 or whatever. But when Zach first um, contacted me, which was kind of cool because there was two messages, but one was at 1038 and one was at 316. And I was like, okay, God, you're saying something here, you know. And so I knew there was something up with him even before I called him. And then when we talked, it was just a really good connection in my heart. I was like, wow, there's something here that... I don't know, he's helped me, he gave me a bunch of books last night, you know what I mean, and I'm just excited, and because there's even questions, because I'm on a journey, like we're all on a journey, it's about knowing him, right, and then knowing who we are in him, those are the two questions, right, like who is he, you know, finding God, like he's our great, and you know what I'm saying, like knowing him, and then knowing who we are, and so there's questions that I have, and I was asking him some theological questions about different things, and so Zach just, like, gave me a bunch of books, and I'm excited about, like, Harold Eberly stuff, you know, and so I'm excited. I almost read that one book all, like, I'm halfway through that book last night. I just couldn't put it down, and because it's about renewing our mind to the truth, 
It's not trying to get something we don't have. It's been finished. We have it all already inside of us, but, but we'll only manifest it to the degree that we actually believe it. But believing it actually means a lot of times we actually have to step into it by faith, right? It's grace accessed by faith. So um, the, if you remember in Joshua, when they, when they had the Ark of the Covenant, they had the manifest presence of God, the priest did on their back. And the word of the Lord was that the river was going to part, but it didn't part until they actually had to step into the river, right? So we can have the manifest presence of God in us, but until we actually take that step by faith, we call it risk, and get our feet wet and give God a chance, many times that's what he's relying on us, is that we have to move. We have to put our foot in the river before we see the river part. That's what this thing's about, believing we have it, but then we have to access it a lot of times by actions, okay? And a lot of times he'll ask us to put ourselves in uncomfortable positions, very rarely does he show us, he doesn't part the river very, very rarely will he part the river before we actually strike it or step into it. You know what I'm saying? And so Graham Cook says it this way. He says, we'll never feel comfortable in what God is asking us to do because he asks us to do the impossible. We're all called to do the impossible. We're, we're called to slay giants. Giants mean they're bigger than us. Giants don't mean they're a midget. It means they're big, right? In the natural but they're not bigger than your dad. They're not bigger than the Holy Spirit. They're not bigger than Jesus, right? And that's who goes with you. And so it requires risk. And so a lot of my heart is just letting the body of Christ know you're powerful and you've got something amazing to do in your lifetime and it might look scary and big, but God's with you. And so I cheer you on. Go take a chance. Go step into that thing. And if you don't see it bow today, that's okay. Tomorrow's a new day. In Numbers 20, 22, the Israelites had lost a great battle. 22,000 Israelites died in one day. That's a lot of people. 22,000 people died, wiped out, annihilated. The only ones that survived were the ones, I imagine it this way, the ones that threw off their armor, threw their sword, threw their shield down, and just booked it out of there. Those are the only ones that made it, the ones that ran for their lives. <sighs> Big defeat. But tomorrow came. The next day, and they had a decision to make. What are they going to do? Are they going to keep their armor off? Or are they going to believe again? And it says that the Israelites strengthened themselves in the Lord that day. And they regathered themselves as if it was the first day again. They forgot about the defeat of yesterday. They went and found their armor. They put it back on and they chose to believe as if it was the first day, as if they never ever lost yesterday. And God's calling us to do that, to believe, and it doesn't matter what yesterday brought. Today's a new day. And with him, all things are possible. And it doesn't matter if you pray for 100 people or 100,000 people and you don't see the limb grow back. It's going to come. And it might not be through your life. You might be pressing through for somebody breakthrough in a different country, but we're all connected in the spirit. It's about trusting and believing because he's good. And we can't be wrong if we're in him. Because we're loved, accepted, valued apart from anything we do. So there's no fear whether it grows back or not because we're just choosing to love people. That's all it's about, love. And you guys know that. Like, I was sitting there in my seat. I was like, what am I going to tell them they don't already know? Like, they love people so well in this place. But during worship, I saw a picture of David. 
And the Lord showed me this last night because I was thinking about you and just this house. And I was asking the Lord about stuff. And he said, it's, a, it's like a David's army. And I was like, what do you mean by that? And he said, it's, it's a people of, of presence. It's a people of worship. It's a people that are seeking me when it doesn't matter if you're in the sheepfold and no one's watching. It doesn't matter. It's people that are seeking God and his presence because, he, because it's a love relationship. And then... The Lord was saying it's worshiping warriors is what it is. It's worshiping warriors. It's worshiping warriors is what this group's about. And then I saw Isaiah 22, 22, and he talks about the, the key of David. And I was asking the Lord, okay, what is it about the key of David? And he says, David was a man after my own heart. And as people come into alignment with my heart for their city, for their neighbors, whatever, when they're in alignment, then I give them the key. And I saw this um, treasure chest, which was God's heart. It was a treasure chest, and it was God's heart. And I saw you guys putting this key into God's heart. And he was like, he says, as they get to know me and know my heart, I will trust them with anything. Because we have everything, but there's a thing about trust, but it's about knowing his heart for people. And it's all about love. It's all about love. And so we're growing to become as people after God's heart for the city, for people, for the world. And as we do that, he trusts us with all of his power. Because it's not separated. His power is his love demonstrated. Some people are like, I love people, but that power, people get twisted and it's all about that. It doesn't matter. We look at Jesus' life. Two-thirds of his life was setting people free. It doesn't matter if it's emotionally uh, mental, whatever. It's, it's bringing freedom. It's John 10, 10. The enemy comes to kill, still destroy, but Jesus comes to bring life. So what does that look like? Life might be bringing a sleeping bag to somebody that's cold. It's whatever the need is. It's being available. But, it's, but no impossibilities. You said it this morning. You sang it on heaven, in, on earth as it is in heaven. That's, that's, our, that's our world to live in. And we get to see it through his eyes. You know what I'm saying? It's what it's all about. Wow. But yeah, it's about getting to know him. And the more we get to know him, the more we get to see who we are. And the more we get to see that he loves us way bigger and believes in us way more than what we could ever deserve. Ha, it's so true. Gideon's hiding in the wine press of fear. You know what I'm saying? You don't beat wheat in a wine press. He was hiding because he was a scaredy cat. Ha, 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 ha. And that's what I was like in first year. I was scared. But there was a hunger inside of me that started to get stronger than the fear in my life. The hunger to see something happen in my life started getting stronger than the fear. And it started making me step out. But then when I got the revelation that I'm so loved, accepted, I realized I can't be rejected. It's an oxymoron. If this cup's, this thing's so full of God's acceptance for my life, you can't get any rejection in there. And then I realize that people can't take something from me that they don't give me. My identity is not coming from what you think about me. I'm free from you now. You know what I'm saying? Because you can become love now. Love's to give, not to receive. Because we don't want to go out to try to do something to get our identity in how people treat us. They can tell me no, and that's okay, but I'm not there to get something from them. I'm there to give them something and someone. Ha, 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 ha. And you can't shut this love machine down. Because like I said earlier, God doesn't listen to no's. He doesn't. He just says, that's my son. That's my daughter. Go get them. Go get them and tell them what's amazing about them. 
Love your heart, dude. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Some of the stuff you were sharing, I actually was teaching on first service about our identity and our acceptance and our significance. And how many received that word over our body? Come on. So in line. Makes me think you've been online and listened to some of the words and, or something. <laughs> he just spoke directly to this house. How many believe that? Well, I want to... Um, how many just love Jason's heart, man? Just his passion. And just... I can just sense um, just this... Just the kingdom. Just heaven manifesting as he's sharing. And the, and the manifest presence of God. And uh, I, I want you to open your hearts now. There's some people here. Maybe you need the kingdom. You need, you need to be loved. You need joy. I felt like the Lord was really going to heal emotional wounds this morning. I believe there's going to be some physical healings, but I really, and maybe, and I'm thinking about what was happening in worship, there's such an overwhelming sense of Papa's love. I think today's going to be your day. Some people in here that have some heavy burdens, I want to open it up to ministry time. If you have any words of knowledge, if you want to invite your team up, um, I want to ask our Sozo team to be ready, but, but let's... Uh, how many would say, you know what, I'm ready just to receive what God has for me right now. Everybody in this room, would you close your eyes and just lift up your hands and Lord, we just welcome whatever you want. Kingdom come. Kingdom come. Right now. Total freedom. Whatever you want to do, Lord. We love you. You're so good. You're so good to us.